Hi, my name is Brandon Prentice, and I'm a second year medical student. I'm a thinker, and I'm an adventurer in the purest sense of the word. everyone, my name is Maida. And this is Dina. And welcome back to another episode of Humans of OUWB. Today, we have the good pleasure of talking to a fellow classmate that we met through actually our book club, Brandon Prentice. So thank you so much for coming on, Brandon. Yeah, I'm uh, honestly so excited to be here. Thank you. I'm so stoked that you are our first underclassman yeah. that we've had on the podcast. <laughs> And truly, probably the only one in your class that we know. Yeah, probably. Honestly. <laughs> well, I can only go up from here. So uh, we're off to a good start. So I know like when we've had conversations with you in the past, you have a little bit of a, a unique childhood. And so do you want to tell our listeners about what it was like growing up and things? So, yeah, I guess like big identifiers of myself, big like um, part of my history and whatnot is I uh, grew up in a military family. Uh, my dad joined the military uh, shortly after I was born. Uh, he's still in, uh, he's going on strong. But so I've lived anywhere from say, yeah, New Hampshire uh, to Hawaii. I moved a lot when I was younger, moved from New Hampshire, Massachusetts, Arizona, North Carolina, Hawaii, and then Tennessee. Um, and so I finished, uh, let's see, uh, middle school and um, high school uh, in Tennessee, um, but then spent my majority of my time in Colorado for undergrad and afterwards. But uh, yeah, I, I generally say that I enjoyed uh, that kind of uh, growing up experience because uh, it just exposed me to a lot of different people in different places. And I think as a kid, you're just super excited to I don't know, just travel and go on like vacation, basically. Honestly, life just kind of felt like a vacation as a kid. I have so many questions about that. <laughs> what, is, what was one place that not just was your favorite, but what is one memory from one place that you've lived um, that makes you happy or makes you smile? Ooh. Honestly, the first one that came to mind was uh, definitely living in Hawaii. I was younger, but I still remember a good chunk of it. But in my backyard, we had literally, we had a macadamia nut tree. We had a, a banana tree. Uh, we had a mango tree and a coconut tree, if I didn't list that already. Um, but we also had like this weird little area in the back corner where it was like just like a, ba like a bamboo grove. Um, and literally my one of my sisters, Ashley and I, I uh, used to uh, play in those uh, like bamboo trees uh, where I forget the show, but it was like the animal planet show where it's like lemurs um, and we would literally like act as the, <laughs> the lemurs or whatnot. Mm -hmm. And it was just like a very wholesome time. And I was literally always out in that backyard, like climbing trees and such. I thought you were going to say the wild thornberries. I don't know why that's what I, that's where my imagination yeah. was. And you were just well, I mean, that did come up, uh, but that wasn't the primary, you know, uh, show that we modeled off of. Yeah. It's fair. Animal Planet's a good one. <laughs> yeah. Incredibly wholesome. Yeah. I know um, 
people who usually end up moving around to have family members who had similar backgrounds as you and um they kind of get an itch for like never wanting to settle down <laughs> do you feel like you're similar in that way or are you kind of craving that stability uh that's a good question um i'd say that history has shown that i have the travel bug um because Sure, even I had the four years of undergrad, but immediately upon graduating, I like moved down south in Colorado. And then uh, within like six months or so, moved internationally just for like a short period. Um, and then I spent two more, I returned back to Colorado two more years uh, in Denver and then moved to Boston for a year. And then now I'm back in Michigan. There is a deep part of me that just craves like home, like, uh, or just stability. It's kind of like, I find those two terms, uh, interconnected in a way. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I always like dream about like, oh yeah, like, uh, one day, like I'll have like a place where I can just settle and like, uh, somewhere that like I feel connected to and whatnot. Um, but I also can't deny that there's a very real part of me that's okay. Well, it's been two years, uh, about time to keep on moving. Mm -hmm. It's interesting that you, when you were talking that you were saying the word home, oftentimes in mindfulness exercises, they tell you to kind of close your eyes, envision yourself in your safe space. And I'm curious if you were to close your eyes and envision home, can you kind of describe to us? Um, so it's kind of funny that you brought up that example because we had a prism session uh, for all our listeners, um, prism being our uh, like wellness course. But we had a wellness course our first year uh, where one of like the exercises was mindfulness. And I forget the instructor that was leading it, but there was an activity where he's like, okay, like, and now at this time, just like identify or like envision, you know, your like your place of security, your safe spot, your home. And literally, like, when he asked that, it had the opposite effect of soothing me and being like, oh, no. Oh, God. <laughs> um, so that's honestly a hard thing uh, to vision because there are just like there are parts of me like everywhere, like uh, like parts of me being like, I don't know, my identity, my myself. Uh, and like different homes. So there isn't like one place where like, ah, like. I can go there and like that's always going to be like the same thing or like what I can find comfort in short answers I'd probably say like Denver because that was the first place where I really felt that uh or at least a, a strong element of it but it's also not entirely I think encompassing of what I would like home to be because I don't have any like nuclear family or I guess any relatives there it's all just like my friend family, but that's like the closest, I think, uh, to home. No, that's completely fair and understandable, I think, given your background, right? And yeah, I think, I guess, not to <laughs> challenge you, uh, <laughs> but like what calms you down? Yeah. If that question doesn't soothe you, what is like a place that you envision that does soothe you? Is it something that's foreign or unknown? Is it something that is kind of dreamt up through your imagination? Yeah, or is it a feeling? I mean, I don't know, even know if it has to be a place, right? Because for you, yeah, multiple places, but what is that feeling? 
like the feeling of I don't know, like what brings me back to security. Yeah. Like for me, I, I envision anytime I close my eyes and want to feel safe, like I imagine myself underneath a tree, reading a book in like direct sunlight because like happiness and security is being kind of enwrapped in like, um, and on the grass or near like that visual. Yeah. And so that's what I immediately think of. And, and I thought at first it was a specific area in California because that's where I was from and I've more that I've been away from California the more I realize that it really isn't tied to California as much as it's just those things of you know kind of being in sunshine being near a body of water um, being out in nature and that kind of grounds me so I'm curious if it's you know detached for you as well uh yeah it's a funny question I've honestly never been asked that um before um but I think there are like two things kind of come to mind and one is that, I don't know, I kind of have just become comfortable with the instability and like in a weird meta way, like the instability has become stable. And so like, I just really enjoy exploring new places or trying new things or like meeting new people or just doing things. Um, so I think that since I, I guess I've never had it, uh, I just never really like go for that or I don't, I don't have that like kind of method of grounding myself. Yeah. I think that's actually a strength, Brandon, like that yeah. being comfortable with instability. I think for us right now as fourth years, that is the thing that is so terrifying in this yeah. present moment, right? Because things are changing. There's yeah. unknown and uncertainty that lies within medical school and you'll get there too. Um, and I feel like it's right <laughs> embrace it and, and yeah. not be afraid of it, which is kind of what you're alluding to, I presume. So, yeah. you know, we've kind of talked about it last time we hung out in person, but in, when you envision your future, do you see yourself kind of going anywhere and being okay with it? Or do you have a specific end place mm. in mind? So that's also a very fun question, but I feel like I am obligated to uh, like, Uh, backpedal a little bit because I would say that I'm also still like a very type a person and like my neuroticism probably plays out in (laughs) I don't know maintaining a uh, rather clean environment and such and so um, yes I may be comfortable with the say the instability of moving around or maybe not having like a, a a select home um, but it manifests in other ways. Uh, so I am, yeah, I, I feel like I want to disclose that. Um, what you're saying is you're a medical student because you're <laughs> a neurotic at some point. Yeah. Got a couple extra doses of that. Um, I think like the result of moving around so much, um, and not having that place of home, I'm like very, very picky with, where like I would like to be. So I just know what I like. And I mean, the dream is like, I'll apply West Coast and East Coast and like maybe a couple of big cities in between. Honestly, my preference, like ideal scenario uh, is San Diego. Like that would be literally the dream. <laughs> I know, but I've recently been scheming about like Boston just because of like, I did live there for a little bit and really liked it didn't get to fully experience it um, because of the pandemic, fun. Um, 
but it kind of just would be like a more strategic move just based off of like career stuff. I can see you in San Diego, West Coast. Oh, sweet. Well, let's uh, both, uh, or all three of us manifested because I would love it. Are you into yeah, manifestation? Yeah, let's talk about manifestation. Are you into that? Um, into as in? Short answer. No. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever you want. No. Short answer is no. <laughs> I think like, like the cultural definition of manifestation, I, I don't really ascribe to. Um, but I do, I think, uh, believe in like a form of manifestation. So anything from if you believe it, like you'll become it kind of, um, if you like put your heart into something, like you can make it happen um, with, you know, a lot of big asterisks and uh, limitations to that bold statement. But I also do, uh, I mean, I'm not sure if I could definitively say this, but like, I, I do believe in like prayer in a way. Um, and I think that's like a form of, you know, manifestation. What do you think prayer means to you? Is it always something that you are like seeking from something higher or is, do you believe in prayer as being a form of manifestation and putting that good energy out there and that being it? Probably closer to your second definition. Um, I mean, I grew up in a religious home as well. So like, that's the second, like, big defining self or like part of me I guess is uh growing up in the military family but also like growing up in a like really religious family um my dad was a uh, a chaplain so basically like a pastor for the army um so yeah I mean that meant like going to Sunday morning church bible study uh Sunday evening church all in it prayer um historically has been like a religious, you know, practice for myself. Um, but now I think it's become much more of a, it's kind of multi-purposed, but part of it is a time to like look internally and um, like reflect and re like reflect on say uh, desires or like regrets or um, like guilt even. But also I think it's a time for me to I don't know, like express wishes for others, people that are important in my life. Um, and it's funny, like I still find myself like, well, I don't, I'm not going to pray for myself at this point based off of my beliefs, um, but I'll pray for others. <laughs> uh, Very interesting. Why are you more comfortable praying for others than praying for yourself? We're going to meet your friend, and I'm sorry. Yeah, which one are you going in a sec? Um, no, that is a, I've definitely, like, acknowledged the irony in it. Uh, but I'm like, ah, it's still what I'm uh, going to do. Um, I have a difficult relationship with the divinity. Um, so I feel like that definitely has a part in it. Like, uh, I feel maybe, like, deep down that, like, oh, I can't pray for myself because like if, you know, this, this being or whatnot is out there, I don't know. I feel like, like this isn't the best term because I don't fully believe it, but like, I don't, I don't, I might not deserve it. If like, if I'm not, if I don't, you know, love this being or believe in this being like I, that might be a prerequisite for like asking for something about myself. I don't know. Like that's. Yeah. yeah. Do you, um, yeah. this might be a challenging question as well, yeah. it comes from 
my own perspective more so than anything. Um, do you think that you are still in, in some terms bitter? Do you think there's any bitterness towards um, your background or yeah, upbringing and then where you are right now and that may be playing a part in, in how you feel like you need to connect to that? Yeah. Um, I mean, there is definitely an, an element of bitterness there, yes. Um, I think like a, I definitely feel burned a little bit. That's like probably like a more accurate term to describe it um that's a small part but what aspect or facet of it do you feel burnt from um especially given that your dad was a chaplain and and in that kind of niche man i mean that's complicated there's a, <laughs> there's a lot to it um but i can try i think uh i mean there are definitely like some like pinpointed uh like experiences that contributed to, I think that feeling, um, like there have been people of the faith that I used to ascribe to, or maybe not the faith, but like the, you know, like the little R religion, um, people who ascribed to that religion where when I kind of disclosed some of the struggles that I had, or like just the doubts or just like trying to better understand, uh, that stance, um, the immediate response that I got was, oh, well, you can't have those thoughts because literally like verbatim, like you can't have those thoughts because you're go you'll go to hell. And I was like, oh, well, that's a, <laughs> that doesn't make me feel great. Yeah. Um, so that's a big variable, but I'm honestly like, I've gotten to the point where like, I'm comfortable with kind of seeking truth, whatever that may be. Um, but like, I would say like, beyond just like the isolated incidences of being burned or whatnot, I think a big part was also just like the practice of religion that I was a part of uh, was very much like checklist, like, okay, like you do this, 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 then you're good. And there wasn't a lot of like authenticity to it. And so that is a, a big factor as well preaching to the choir I feel like <laughs> I think that just goes to show that it doesn't matter how unique our experiences are because I think that there's a commonality that yeah. us all because yeah. we're of different faith and even with you and I are different sex within the same faith and yeah. I feel like as you're talking that resonated so deeply <laughs> in just me as a child asking questions and being told you can't ask questions <laughs> like and I think you know it speaks to where we are now as medical students we're always oh, yeah trying to critically think about things and at least I was met similarly and was told like stop asking questions just just follow just follow these practices yeah. and I think that that always led me with some resistance um yeah. it's interesting that you say that you're seeking truth because I think that that's also where I fall on that spectrum yeah. as well now it's you know redefining maybe what you're upbringing has taught you and trying to seek it out on your own as an individual and as an adult and what your relationship with your spirituality looks like. Okay. I agree. I think, I mean, I think there's, I very much resonate to everything that you've said. And I think there's been for myself personally, a lot of unlearning and relearning and kind of just redefining so many things that you held on to as truths and yeah. then recognizing that 
they may not be truths or they may be truths for those that you love and you still, you know, love those people and respect those people to a certain extent. Um, But also recognize that you have to respect yourself and you have to put your truth first. Um, So that's been a journey for sure. Um, Yeah. I like to ask this question. We are fresh off the interview trail. And I feel like during my last interview, someone asked me, he asked if, if you could answer one question or if you wanted me to ask you one question, what would it be? And I sat there and I thought, you know, I do a podcast and this is the question I want to know from everyone. So this is the question. I'm yeah. going to know. All right. What a lead yeah. up, man. <laughs> it's not as hard, but I just, I like to know because I think it, it speaks to kind of some of the values of who you are, but um, what is something that you are most proud of either recently or in your life? I know that that's really broad, but I, I would love to hear kind of what. Yeah. Um, so actually, I think I wrote about this like in one of my secondaries or whatnot. Um, so it is kind of cheating. Um, but honestly, like the one that comes to mind uh, when anyone asks a similar question as that, I did this really fun cycling race in Colorado a couple years back um, where it was called the Triple Bypass. Um, everyone should look it up and do it because it's awesome. One, because the name is super clever, yeah. um, but also because it's insane um, because it's a cycling, it's technically a ride, not a race, um, but it's a, a cycling route that goes from like the foothills of the mountains in Colorado onto like the heart of the uh, mountains in Colorado. Um, and over that course, it travels uh, three or it climbs uh, three mountain passes. Um, so like mileage wise, it's 120 miles and like vertical feet wise, it's uh, I think uh, 1100 or sorry, 11,000 vertical feet. <laughs> and so for like reference, um, like if you're to hike a mountain, like uh, one of the tallest mountains, which are called like 14ers in Colorado, like if you're to hike that, you generally will gain maybe like 3,000 vertical feet. Um, so like if you hike a mountain in Colorado, that's 3,000. And this ride was 11,000. So a really like, honestly, a really grueling ride. And so literally was on the bike for like eight hours. So one was just like the feat of completing that and uh, loving it, but also just everything, all like the planning and hours and like literal like pain leading up to it um like did you like prep for that um I had a really good friend who was into cycling so he helped kind of develop the training plan um but honestly yeah like sat down like four months four or five months out and just developed a training plan based off of like endurance and strength and distance and elevation and four or five months out, pick days on the map, like, or days on the calendar when I would do like long days and uh, days that I would do like shorter, like uh, interval training and all that. And yeah, super fun. Incredible. <laughs> so good. I want to know, like yeah. you're hour five, maybe a little bit more than halfway. You're going up and you have another incline. Like where yeah. does your head go? Where are your thoughts? Like what is the driving force that's like, I'm going to keep pushing? Yeah. Oh, no, I, I definitely like literally can pinpoint that exact moment. 
went in like my mind of like Tell us. I was looking, <laughs> it was this big like big switchback where there was zero like it was so gentle but it was so long and you could see where you had to literally go up this mountain on a like just back and forth switch back and it was like I think of a third in the way in the ride and so I was like oh no <laughs> <laughs> um but I mean the motivation at that point was I knew I could do it and uh yeah, yeah like I I mean it really helped that I, I I had a really great training program um so I had done like a couple like 100 mile rides leading up to it casual yeah very casual <laughs> just do that in my free time let me just take eight hours to go recycle yeah what's so funny is like now like I can barely like go up one flight of stairs oh my god yeah it's so easy to lose it wow. yeah but that but, that's, that's like a really powerful mental strength that you can yeah eat. like you're there and you're like I can still get up this like that's man I went through a 30 minute workout class and not like minute 25 well it was an hour but at like halfway point yeah. I was like can I get through this? Like, I'm about to pass out. Yeah. Like have that endurance and be like, okay, I, I know I can do this. Even though- I'd say it's more stubbornness uh, than- uh, <laughs> That's where the neuroticism comes in. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. Very stubborn over here. Uh, I'll say, oh yeah, let me show you. Have you always been stubborn? Like as a child, were you stubborn? Um, no. I was pretty quiet as a kid. I still am on the quieter sides, but I would, I could see that. I feel like you're very introspective, it. more intellectual. Like you read the room, oh, yeah. you read everyone around you before you open your mouth. But when you do, it's like so profound. <laughs> <laughs> Versus me, well, word vomits every time I enter a room. <laughs> you're pretty profound too, though. Let's, let's give yourself some credit. Uh, That's right. <laughs> Positivity um, over here. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, but that's interesting. So you're stubborn in your goals. Is that correct in assuming? Definitely in my goals, yeah. Um, but I it might overextend um beyond that. Um definitely gets me in trouble in relationships, that's for sure. What has been the biggest fallout as a consequence mm. of your stubbornness? Mm, that's a good question. So the stubbornness man and like the biggest way it's, I think it's manifested is uh, probably my relationship with like my mother, uh, to be honest, um, because it's really hard when um, you can identify, or at least for myself, it's really hard when I can identify things that like, like I am justified, or at least I perceive myself as justified, right? Like I can identify uh, things that were, I don't like this term, but it is sometimes, I mean, I'm being honest and it's um, sometimes how it feels where I, when I can, I identify like objective, like hurtful or wrong things. And so stubbornness in those moments, it's like, I'm not going to let go of that. Heck no. <laughs> because I know like, um, and that gets me in trouble because um, it isn't always clear cut. It isn't a, well, I wouldn't say always, it's never clear cut. There are things that like have happened with my relationship with my mother that aren't objectively wrong or right. 
so that is honestly the tension of where the stubbornness manifests is because I partly generally does believe that there aren't uh, objective absolute wrongs in relationships. Um, and also like similar to that, like I want to like be a person who always leaves space for say resolution or reconciliation or like understanding or like development or whatever. Um, I want to leave space for that. I, I don't do that well, I admit, um, because of the stubbornness, because I also, you know, things hurt and you're like, I don't want to let go of that. Um, so that's kind of, I think, been in a, uh, a part of my relationship with uh, my mother, yes. Do you think that you, um, over the course, have learned more about forgiveness or are learning about forgiveness? And how do you think that, like, you've learned to practice that as you recognize that you do want to leave room for, you know, resolution or redemption or whatever it is? Well, that's a, a very fresh topic. Let me tell you. No, that's like probably 100% like uh, the number one thing that's been on my mind since being in med school, honestly. And um, like, uh, I didn't used to think that I struggled with it as much as I do, but uh, I've been really, I think it's been on the forefront of my mind a lot, but yeah, forgiveness is definitely something that um, <laughs> I think about. Can I elaborate? Yeah, I said it. I, we saw that moment where you paused and you're like, whoa. Why? No, I'm, I'm trying to collect my thoughts. Um, Take your time. Yeah. No, I definitely like, I think forgiveness has been something that's really hard for me. Uh, and I don't know why that is. I know like part of it sure could be that like honestly growing up, like I never heard either of my parents like apologize once. So yes, like can't deny that. <laughs> That's a big part. Um, but it is definitely related to like holding on to like, nope, I know that. Like I know that that was like wrong or hurtful. So I ha I've had a lot of conversations with people about this like recently which is why it's just so fun and like interesting and also terrifying uh <laughs> but part of it is I think to what what forgiveness actually is isn't just saying like yeah I forgive you or isn't just like yeah I can move past that it's like it's sure you might still remember it because of you know whatever you know incident it was but like I don't think about it anymore like I, I'm okay with it. Like I understand what may have like contributed to that, like that incident. Um, so it's, it's, you know, the adage of forgive and forget. Um, the forgetting thing is the really hard part. And I think more the mark of true forgiveness. It's not that you don't have the memory, but that it's not like on the forefront of your mind. Uh, you're not like worried about it. You're not like kind of guarding yourself. You're not making actions based off of what, uh, what had it occurred, if that makes sense. No, I, I definitely agree. I like the fact that you said that you're not basing your future actions um, mm. you know, on 
on what happened in the past, but I think on the flip side for me and my experience, I think part of the forgiveness has been um, actually kind of recognizing what what different actions I am going to take in the future, because I think a lot of times you do have, you know, maybe boundaries were overstepped. You didn't have a good way of setting up those boundaries. And what, what was your own, not necessarily that like, just because something wrong was done to you, you are completely not at fault. I think there's, you know, it takes two to tango. And so kind of understanding, well, what part did I have to play? Not, Not in the sense that I was wrong, but how can I better, um, I guess, carry myself forward in a way that this will not happen with another relationship. Yeah. I will be able to better prevent this sort of behavior. And I think that's part of the forgiveness and understanding that whatever happened wasn't, you know, as much as it was hurtful, it, there was a lesson in it. Yeah. Um, no, I think that's really well said. I do historically have like a hard time with like the balance of, you know, hundred percent like forgive and forget, right? But also, like, sometimes there are legitimate reasons to, like, establish boundaries or kind of, like, protect yourself. Um, and I don't like that. But it is important. Do you feel like you need to have a, level, a certain level of control in your daily life? Yeah, and definitely. Does, what is, like, an experience in your life that has gone absolutely not as your plan? Yeah. And how did you react to that? Like, what was the one experience that you can kind of draw upon? See, that's also funny because like, I, I two like really good and fun examples come to mind. Like, like, I think when there has been, you know, like the unexpected, like the, the purest form of like what was unexpected or like spontaneous or whatnot is like when I've had like the most fun. And like, one of them was definitely like uh, I studied abroad in undergrad and like super grateful for that because my parents were living in Germany at the time. And so that was kind of like a home base because I studied abroad in Scotland. And so prior to that, um, like my three best friends and I like did the whole, you know, backpack Europe thing, super grateful for that experience. But as we kind of like plan our trip, we had like a general idea of where we were gonna go and like what we were gonna do. But there was one stop in particular where we're like, we don't really know how, like what we're going to do here or like how, where we're going to stay. <laughs> we, did, we had zero plan. Uh, we just knew like this is a destination. We have a train ticket. We'll figure it out. So it was uh, in like uh, uh, Belluno, Italy. Um, and so we like, we had like a hotel reservation and we looked it up like kind of quickly uh, broad directions and we're like oh we'll like order an uber or something when we get there we'll want to get there like a little early just to like you know give some buffer because like check-in time was at i think like the last check-in time was like 8 p.m or something which was early because it was like a mountain town um so like we we get there uh i think the train got there at six uh like it's like a five maybe five to eight mile like path to get there but we'll we'll figure it out if we have to we'll walk right cool. so 6 p.m we get there 8 p.m uh check-in closes um we get to belluno italy out, we step off the train into the train station literally the entire town is like shut down <laughs> zero lights on you're like what is going on <laughs> like the only lights was 
uh, were from the train station, like literally from like you from a movie, you know, where it's like everything is pitch black, pitch black yeah. around in like the the scene, except for like the singular light on the train station. Yeah. Like that is what happened. <laughs> <laughs> so like that was definitely uh, unexpected uh, and like surprising, but it was so great because it just like worked out perfectly. Um, but I mean, basically like short story is we get there. None of us have like cell service because like uh, we didn't have like international service. Uh, there was no like Wi-Fi spot. Um, there was like a pay phone, but it was, it was disconnected. We didn't even know who to call. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but basically we eventually saw some like uh, rascal teens walking by uh like like way far away and so we just like ran over and flagged him down and luckily one one of the kids kind of knew some english and they called a friend who called a friend who knew a, a taxi and the taxi guy drove us around through a freaking rainstorm uh <laughs> like lightning and everything um uh, that hotel was closed, but then he took us somewhere else. And oh that's God. how it ended. Right. Yeah. Did you sleep, like, did you get shelter? Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh -huh. okay cool. We had but, a similar story. We slept in the airport, so yeah. we nice. did not find shelter. Uh, <laughs> and I've also been stranded in Paris when there, there was no way out of Paris, and our hotel was outside of Paris. Oh, no. We had, like, seven girls, had no money on us. No oh, yikes. No service on us. We were, um, you know, dressed, not the most comfortable to be in Paris right. at night with nothing on us. And then just, yeah. we ended up just staying and like trying to find the Eiffel Tower and just like walked That's around fun. all night until the Metro opened up the next morning and then hopped on the Metro and went to sleep for a few hours. But yeah, even the best of planners get stuck in a rainstorm, oh, yeah. stranded in a tiny little village town. Yeah. So I feel like those are the best experiences to look back on, to be like, wow, I'm glad I survived. You know, I'm glad, glad I yeah. didn't tell the story. Yeah. I also think like why, even though sure that was like an unexpected experience or like a surprise, like for at least for like me, the stakes were low. Like <laughs> sure, comfort wise of, yeah, it would have been nice to like be in an actual bed, but like we were on vacation we weren't like trying to get a flight home. We had like, we'd be okay ultimately. Yeah. Uh, wouldn't be comfortable, but the stakes weren't as high as what I sometimes perceived my everyday life as. That's interesting. What do you think, what do you perceive as stakes being high? Is it, because I could imagine with your dad in the military that maybe that threshold is much higher. Yeah. Maybe it's not. Maybe it, maybe I'm just assuming incorrectly. And maybe that's because to me, getting chased down the Champs Elysees as six women, that's stakes are high. I'm like, I'm glad I didn't get taken and get like thrown into the sex trade. You know what right. I mean? In my mind, that's like my threshold. So, like, yeah, that's why, I, <laughs> yeah, I was careful with how I phrased that um, because I 100% acknowledge like the privilege that I have based off of just unfortunately my my gender um yeah so I think that's like yeah 100 percent like a big variable in that example um but 
don't know, like in the moments where I've been, say, cough, caught off guard or surprised and what I, and like in the moments where that, what I would say were high stakes, it's like, it's things about that I care about yeah. is what makes it high stakes. What do you, um, what do you care most yeah. about, Brandon? Uh, um, care about like my character. Um, that's a big thing. Um, I care about like uh, the people guy choose to be close to uh, so like my relationships I definitely do care about um, I care about like I don't know my career and being able to like care for others um, I think I care about like doing things well just in general um, like if I'm to do like anything like I'm gonna give it it's hard for me to not give it everything I really like being creative so I care about like arts. Um, How do you express your creativity? Ooh, yes. Uh, so recently, it's been writing, to be honest. I love this. What yeah. You, which, which form do you write in? I have a hard time with this term, but recently it's been poetry. Oh my um, I, I think it's like the best way to describe it because it's, it's not like a journal entry. It's definitely like feelings based, but uh, yeah, I just love it. Yeah. How long have you been doing poetry for? Um, I mean, every hobby of mine is very like cyclical and hot, like off and on. Um, but I only started like uh, probably two years ago, two, three. Has anyone yeah. seen or read your poetry? A handful of people, yeah. Oh, you know, quick plug for uh, the narrative in medicine. If you want to oh, yeah? of your poetry. Oh, boy. Feature it, you know? Yeah, yeah. I love that. Sure. That would be amazing. Absolutely. You've mentioned to us, you mentioned your sister, sisters, sister, sisters, yep. um, and kind of your dynamic and your relationship with them. How do you feel like your dynamic with your siblings has kind of shifted over time and has it evolved in as you are now um, yeah yeah um so def definitely has evolved yeah that's for sure uh the relationships with my like siblings um so so my backstory um is in addition to say the in instability of moving around and whatnot, uh, home life wasn't exactly stable either. Um, and I think how like, and so I'm the youngest of four, uh, three older sisters. Um, and so I think how like we coped is like, like literally like everyone was like, scram. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like everyone fed for themselves uh, was kind of how that played out like growing up. Um, so. Like as soon as someone like graduated high school, they were like, Poof. not, not actually. Um, but they were like, I'm out of here. Um, there was still, you know, like contact or whatnot, but just that was very much the, the feel of it. Um, you're the youngest. So you watched all of them kind of individually leave. How was yep. as the youngest? Yep. Uh, wasn't fun. I will admit. Um, because, uh, the youngest, uh, sister, yeah, 
that they were just left, it left more uh, conflict uh, as the more people left. So yeah, definitely didn't enjoy that. But I think how it's changed though, is that like I've been like really conscious of like what those relationships can be. And I think like, I'm definitely in a place where like, I want to invest in those relationships with my siblings. And so I'm like making efforts to do that, to like be vulnerable, to talk about some of those like issues that we had growing up um, to just like facilitate like time together. So like a while back, we've like started doing siblings reunions and very much love that. So far, our first one was in San Diego. So part of the reason why I just love it. And uh, it was really great. It sounds like you are somebody who, who cares a lot about, you know, bettering oneself. You've talked about wanting to do things, you know, well and holding yourself up to a certain standard. I kind of want to know about somebody that was like really inspirational in your life or a a really big lesson that you learned um, that you kind of carry yourself forward with, if you could elaborate on Yeah. Or not even someone inspirational, but someone that did something hurtful to you, but you have now transformed it into like inspiration or a lesson or a blessing and and a way that's opposite of them. Yeah. Um, so honestly that I would say is like that kind of method is, uh, has been the stronger motivator in my life. Um, like I, I know this isn't exactly unique, but I, I remember as early as like fourth grade, I, like I started a list titled, like literally like I wrote as a little kid, like, <laughs> like things I will do differently as a parent. Uh, and, and so like, that's something I just added to as I recognize things. And, and some of them, you know, were like silly and like unreasonable, of course. Um, but even now, like I recall, like, yeah, that's a big reason why I am who I am today. And like, what has motivated me to really care about, say my relationships, for example, um, that that's been a big motivator. I think that that's such a beautiful thing that's often undisclosed um, Mm -hmm. through many, many individuals experiences. I think a lot of times we look at challenges or dysfunction or things Mm. that are like difficult, um, whether that be an experience or family dynamic or, or in your case, kind of everything you've touched upon as like, oh, woe is me. This is this is terrible and I'm going to, I'm going to carry yeah. trauma forward. And I think it's often more challenging to take it and reframe it within yourself to say, okay, well, as a result of this, I'm not going to succumb to, cause it could have been so easy for you to be like, ah, I'm just going to abandon everything. Like every other yeah. I go into as a result, or I can hold on to some of these trust issues or abandonment issues or whatever it may look like for you or me or whoever yeah Um, I think it's a lot harder to say I'm going to reframe this and say this is this is not the way that I'm going to lead moving forward and yeah make that effort for my relationships um as a direct consequence to how I I guess experience certain events in my life yeah we better (laughs) I I I like so fingers yeah fingers crossed because 
I don't know. Well, that's not, just yeah. not saying justice to who we are and then the people that we will raise if we yeah. raise, or even if you're not raising another child, like just the people around you that you're going to interact with, like you want to be able to move forward in a better way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think it even like goes back to a little bit of like what we're talking about, like manifestation. Like, yeah. I think that to a degree, like if it's something that you're able to like believe and like kind of embody like it, it like change is possible oh, so what a full circle moment back onto the podcast. boom and <laughs> podcast there no more needed. <laughs> yeah so I guess like going going off of that the in the spirit of you know wanting to be better and do better we will uh conclude with our two questions um <laughs> I guess the first question would be what do you want to do in life in general whatever that speaks to you as it's funny you ask because like, that has been something that has been on my mind recently um break was a really good time to like ponder I really want to be someone that like contributes to whether it's like society like my relationships like my city my home like I want to contribute um so based off, you know, like my interest in, I mean, our path, like medicine will definitely be a huge part of that. But like in broad, like terms, like whether it's like, if I see some, like a friend who's like having a hard time, like I want to be able to like be a support for that person. Or like, if there's an opportunity to like be creative and express myself and like leave some kind of a mark on my surroundings, like that's what I want to do. So I'll, I'll throw you a, a poem or two to the, to the club. <laughs> but yeah, like, I want to use like what I know, or like what resources I have to try to have, hopefully some uh, net positive effect. <laughs> uh, that is what I desire. Um, and hope to do. I mean, I think I think that shines through throughout our conversation that we've had that's very palpable that you are somebody who wants to contribute and, and make a difference in, in yourself and, and those around you. Um, so I guess you've kind of already answered, but then the last question would be, who do you want to be? Mm, yeah. I mean, that does, yeah, kind of answer it, but I think there is more to it. I can expound. Um, <laughs> I want to be a patient, forgiving, loving friend. I love I don't know. Uh, I mean, I, I'm not. <laughs> That's what I want. <laughs> well, I think the fact that you're even saying that you want yeah. that, I think that you you must convey and encompass part of that. Thank you so much for yeah, coming thank, on. Thank you for taking time out and talking to us. And Gosh, of course. Thank you for, I am like really honored. This is awesome.